Hello again, everyone, and welcome to it. It is the Derek Hunter Podcast for the 29th of June, 2021. Ah, yes, happy Wednesday, hump day. I'm Derek Hunter. I am your host. Appreciate you listening. Really, really do. Thank you for uh, that and spreading the word and all those good things. And thanks to everybody who goes and at uh, patreon.com slash Derek Hunter Podcast and DerekHunter.locals.com and supports the program. And don't forget while you're there, Enter to win an autographed Mike Lee book or Mike Huckabee book. They rhyme Lee and Huckabee, but it's the battle of the mics this week. Just comment with which one you want to win, and you shall win. Just like somebody won Dennis Leary last week. People win. People really win with Publishers Clearinghouse and with the Derek Hunter podcast. Appreciate all that. You can email me, DerekAllenHunter at gmail.com. Blah, 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 yakety-schmackety. we got an action-packed program. I want to get to it as quickly as possible, so let's do it. In dealing with the news, you, you sit there and you go, all right, this is a slow news day, this is a busy news day, this is a whatever kind of news day it is. And then sometimes there are just these days where somebody walked through with the fertilizer in the field of stupid. And the the sun hit it at the right time. The crops propped up at the right moment. Everything was in line. You're like, wow. It's like a growth spurt. If you have kids, like one day they wake up and they're like an inch tall. And like, what the hell happened? It's a growth spurt while they slept. Well, these are not sleeping people, but they're not bright people. So they might as well be awake. So we have a lot. Even Hillary Clinton has returned. When there's this much stupidity going on and there's money flying around. And boy, howdy, is there money flying around on the left these days. When there's money flying around, you can always count on a Clinton coming out of their crypt. And Bill Clinton, oh, we want abortion to be safe, legal, and rare. And now they're like, no, we got to have abortion all the time. we got to have more abortions. We need to have more pregnancies so that we might have more abortions. Give us money. Donate money to, to the Clinton Global Initiative. I swear we will use that money to... Move women who have been impregnated by Bill to states where they can have an abortion. I'm just kidding. Bill's apparently sterile. That's according to a story from one of his uh, side pieces, I guess you'd call it. Girlfriends, whatever, affairs. Which then lead you to go, wait, what about Chelsea? And I again point you to Webster Hubble. Google Webster Hubble and Chelsea Clinton and just look at a side-by-side photograph of the two it's uh, you know it's a revelation parent and child revelation <laughs> it's evil but it's true that's what's funny about it is it's absolutely true there's no question that it's true so anyway uh, like i say we've got a lot to get to today but i want to let's see where do we start let's start with michael beschloss i do love how the new york times the other day had a story of a bunch of men and their abortion stories and no, it, it's not trans men. It wasn't, they didn't go down that road. They tried to say that all these men out there, men's lives are better with abortion too. And I thought, I thought men weren't uh, allowed to have an opinion on abortion. Wasn't the story, if you don't, it used to be, if you don't have a uterus, you don't have a say. Shut up, it's none of your damn business. Uh, but pay for everything. 
And then it became, uh, well, if, if you are on the right side of history, you're allowed. It's amazing to me how these fascistic leftists and the feminazis out there, they, uh, they claim the right and power and authority to grant people the right to speak. Only if you agree with them. As long as you agree with them, you can have the blessing. It's like the Pope going back down and across. Oh, yes, you may speak. But if you happen to disagree with them, shut up. Know your place. This is a story. There's a, women have the right to control their bodies. Now, here are some uh, feminist, feminized, f uh, squishy men who say uh, you should uh, have abortions, that abortions were better for them. You're like, how the hell does that happen? Well, when you don't have any standards and you can just, uh, you're out there for yourself, you can confer whatever you like on anybody. It's just a fact. It's just how the world works. But so now Michael Beschloss is allowed to talk about abortion. Now, I want you to hear this guy. He's, a, he's an MSNBC, NBC News historian, which... I'd imagine it's one of the easiest cakewalk jobs on the face of the earth. But that's what he is. You don't have, and, and just like their standards for journalism, you don't have to be super bright to do it. He's out there saying, basically, we're, we're looking at a new civil war. The new civil war. Now, if you'd said this on, if a conservative had said anything about this, it would be, oh my goodness, can you believe it? They're advocating violence. But it's Michael Beschloss. He's doing it for all the right reasons. And in the second clip, I'll explain to you why Michael Beschloss is a moron, why he's not very bright. He's a typical lefty. And you can go very far in media today if you're just simply a typical lefty. You don't have to be bright. You don't have to be honest. You don't have to be self-aware. You just have to be willing to toe the line, say whatever it is that the left-wing establishment wants said at any given moment. And if you do that, the checks will still come rolling in. But uh, listen to Michael Beschloss talk about uh, we're going to go to an, uh, we're on the verge of and this is pushing us towards a civil war. This country further in the direction of some kind of new civil war. I mean, that's obviously something pretty alarming there. Tell us what you mean by that, why you think that. And I'm not saying that lightly, Savannah. I think you know I don't usually overstate things. You know, here's a case where the Supreme Court is doing a decision that is going to fly in the face of at least what polls tell us is a majority of Americans, maybe 60 to 70 percent. And if you look at human history and American history, that tends to, to push a society into civil war or at least towards civil war, if it's something that's uh, as basic as this. I'm not saying this is the same as the Dred Scott decision in uh, 1857, but basically that was a decision that said anyone who hopes for an end to slavery and for black people in America to be full uh, first-class citizens can give up hope. That did a lot to accelerate our civil war, I'm worried that when you have a Supreme Court making a decision like this and doing it in language that's almost provocative and angry and vengeful, it could have that effect. I love our country. Part of our country is unity. I think that's jeopardized. Now, Beschloss is, is not a very bright man. He's spewing left-wing talking points right there. But what, at the end... When he talks about when you do it and you do it in length, first of all, how many American citizens do you think read 
the language of the decision in, in the Dobbs case. Four. How many people do you think out there are reading? So, like, the language. Oh, they did it in such nasty language that uh, it's going to really pro- provoke a fight. It's over 200 pages long. How many Americans do you think sat down? How many of the mutant mob out there marching in the street do you think read this decision? A couple of dozen, maybe? Well, I can tell you that Michael Beschloss isn't one of them. Because what he just regurgitated there about, oh, when you're doing the language, it's it's violent, nasty, uh, spiteful language is what Morning Joe, Joe Scarborough, said the morning before while Michael Beschloss was on the program. Said, oh, the language was horrible and it was nasty and it was so in your face and spiteful and blah, blah, blah. There was no attempt at reconciliation. Again, showing that Joe Scarborough didn't read this. And suddenly NBC News becomes a a game of telephone. Because Joe had there's nothing in there. They, Clarence Thomas, Sam Alito, they're not writing there going, and you guys can go jump in a lake. We hate you. F you, pal. That's not how this decision was written. But Michael Beschloss heard Joe Scarborough say it. And, well, Joe Scarborough is the king of MSNBC, or the closest thing they have to a male. He's like an effeminate adult Harry Potter. But that's as close as you get to a man over at MSNBC. Um and you uh, seriously look at the hair and look at him with his stupid glasses on it. Tell me that that's not a fully feminized, neutered. Tell me that Joe's um, underpant content isn't firmly in Mika's purse. She wears the pants in that family and other things, too. So Michael Beschloss just he's like, well, this is MSNBC. This is what they want. Oh, no, there's a language. They're picking a fight. It's a horrible language. Well, this it's the streaming service was this where this took place. Uh, whoever the host is, there's somebody named Savannah. It's not Savannah Guthrie. And I don't know who else is named Savannah over at NBC, nor do I particularly care. But Savannah comes back and says, well, that's a very interesting point. What do you mean by well, Tell me more about this language thing. Because what you just heard Michael Beschloss say there on cable, on on a news program, supposedly with standards, was that he's read, he didn't say it, but that he'd read the opinion. How else could you draw the conclusion that the language was so nasty so as to be provocative? You think Beschloss had read this thing. So upon hearing that, you'd go, well, can you give us an example of this provocative language, Mike? And now Michael Beschloss goes on for a little, he goes on for about 35 seconds here or something like that. But he, uh, he never gets to the point. He never says what it was. And he never cites a single thing in the decision. Never once does he even come close. Forget quoting. He doesn't paraphrase. He doesn't summarize. He doesn't even hint at anything. All he does is dance around the subject. You're going to hear somebody who just lied to an audience getting caught. Not caught like, aha, you lied to us. But being asked a question he clearly didn't want to be asked about something he lied about. Now, the the Savannah woman, it doesn't, she's not, there's no career advancement to calling out Michael Beschloss's BS on on television. So she'll let it slide. But Michael Beschloss has clearly been exposed here as an idiot who comments 
authoritatively in tone and in word choice about things he has absolutely no knowledge of. I want to ask about what you just said, something that you also just tweeted, this ominous tone of anger and revenge. What exactly do you mean by that? What which part of these opinions are you citing? And, and is it a rarity, in your opinion, to see language like that coming from the Supreme Court? Yes, this is an aberration. If you look at, for instance, the 1954 decision on Brown versus Board of Education, I'm not saying that's equivalent to this decision, but it's an example of where the court uh, ruled in favor of desegregation and used language that took into account, yes, there are many people in the country who disagree, and this is a massive social change. We want to make this as peaceful and constructive as we can. There was almost none of that. You know, in this decision, there was almost a sense that the justices who voted for this decision wanted to take a two by four and hit some Americans over the head. Yeah, they wanted to hit some Americans over How? What language? What are you talking about, Beschloss? Can you cite anything? No, he doesn't. No, he can't. He didn't read it. It's not in the language. Alito isn't writing there. So abortion, you got no right to it. Ladies, keep your knees shut and, and Democrats quit whining and shut up. And in your face, we control. This is our Supreme Court now. None of that. The decision was leaked months ago. There was no talk about, my God, the vitriolic language that uh, Sam Alito deployed in this. There was none of that. It's just that they came up with a new talking point. The decision's essentially the same that was leaked. It's just that they've decided this is a new talking point. Joe Scarborough started it yesterday. Well, uh, they're so nasty. They're so nasty and in your face. They have no desire to reconcile or anything like that. And that's not in there. Read the decision. Don't don't read all 220-some pages, whatever it is. Don't, you don't have to read that. Pick two pages. If you find something vitriolic, then cite it. Keep reading it or whatever. Go, oh, my God. But you won't. It's a legal decision. It's not somebody standing on the hood of a car, bearing their ass to everybody in front of them, going, yeah, you can kiss it right here. We control this show now. But that's what the left would have you believe. Why? Because they need the angry mob angry. Talking about this decision, the New York Times wrote a piece, a news story, that said that Congress now can breathe easy, Republicans in Congress can breathe easy, because the Supreme Court outlawed, banned abortion for them. They don't have to do it. That's not what happened. Abortion is not banned across the country. It's up to the states. But the New York Times wants that to be uh, the impression that people have. If you're in California, you're you know, more than welcome to have as many abortions as you want. The government wants you to have. There's no ban at all. There's no restrictions in any way, shape, or form. You could probably go tackle your junior high school kid and abort him if you want in California. And they would go, well, you know, woman's choice, woman's choice. But the people in California, where most liberals are, California and New York, might not take to the streets, might not, more importantly, open their wallets and fund the Democrats this fall. 
Things were not going well for Democrats this fall compared to what they thought their needs were. This is a big shot in the arm to them. So the truth isn't really going to help them. There's still be plenty of Democrats who are outraged by the truth because they do want people everywhere to have abortions nonstop. But the average run-of-the-mill person who just doesn't follow the news and thinks, oh, I'm pro-choice and this is what Democrats... No. That person wouldn't open their wallets probably if they said, well, this doesn't actually do anything. It just leaves it up to the states. You're going to get a chance to have your say on abortion for the first time in your whole life. You're going to have a say as a part of a democratic process in a representative republic. They don't, that doesn't help Democrats. They have to lie. I don't think Beschloss is smart enough to have been in on that decision and is doing it for that purpose. I think Beschloss is just an idiot who heard Joe Scarborough say something and he's parroting it back. And then he was asked about it and he goes, uh, stuff. Uh, it's just like uh, Brown versus Board of Education in 1954. Okay, how? Uh, it just is. Can you cite anything from the thing we're talking about now, Mike? No, you can't, because you're a damn fraud, just like the rest of them. So Michael Beschloss is full of it, obviously. But of course, he's not the only one. Let's see, where do I want to go now? Let's go to the... That's almost too funny, and I need to save it for a little... Well... <sighs> I want to let's do Joy Behar real quick. We'll come back to the view, ladies, in a bit, because Anne Navarro keeps digging. What a horrible person! She keeps trying to dig her way out of that hole. But uh, we'll get to that in a bit. But Joy Behar yesterday, the ladies of the View are wildly upset. There isn't a single one of them. I, I don't know. Do any of them have kids? I think Whoopi Goldberg has one kid. There's probably a baker's dozen abortions between all of them, would be my guess. And they just sit there and they, they, the more that people are adamantly in favor of abortion, the less likely they are to need one or the more likely they are to have had one. Just, just my observation. And uh, so Whoopi Goldberg's ranting and raving about Clarence Thomas and Joy Behar. In this clip, Joy Behar says it at the end, and there's somebody else talking. This is the problem with a, a show with five harpies screaming on it at any given moment is that you can't hear it. It's also the blessing, but you can't hear anything of it. I don't know how anybody watches this program. But Joy Behar says that we're living in a theocracy right now. We're living in a theocracy right now about abortion. Necessarily yeah, but we have, don't we have church, uh, separation of church? Yes, no, we don't anymore. I mean, we Clarence don't Thomas anymore. needs to have a seance yeah. and have Thomas Jefferson there and Alexander <laughs> Hamilton. Hello? Yeah. Uh, do we still have uh, a separation of church and state here? Is in the Constitution? It's, yeah. It's, a, it's a, the First Listen, Amendment guarantee, and I we mean, don't seem to have that anymore. Six, well, six we're in a the, theocracy right now. And six of the nine. We're living in a theocracy right now. Blah, 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 blah. First of all, they're just so damn stupid. Now, Sonny Houston or whatever the hell, Houston, Houston, whatever, is supposedly a lawyer. I don't expect much from Whoopi. I don't even think she graduated high school. She's a former stand-up comic who went into acting and then uh, lucked into an Oscar, and now she does this for a living. You're not dealing with somebody who's a brain surgeon here. Uh, Anna Navarro is just an idiot, and if it doesn't involve food, eh, if, if it was like law and culinary school, I think Anna Navarro might have gone to law school, but it's not. Uh, but I don't even know who the other blonde chick is. Like she's a nobody, and Joy is supposedly a comic. So that just leaves Sonny, who's a lawyer, 
And they're talking about oh, the separation of church and state in the Constitution. There's no separation of church and state in the Constitution. The way that the left means it, by the way, it, by the way, separation of church and state comes from a letter that Thomas Jefferson wrote long after his president. It didn't matter. It didn't have anything to do with the Constitution. And Thomas Jefferson wasn't actually involved in the writing of the Constitution anyway. He was over-serving in Europe but as an ambassador. But that's beside the point. The uh, idea that there's a separation of church and state. No, the, the Constitution, the Bill of Rights, the First Amendment, says that Congress shall make no law establishing a religion. Not that Congress shall never acknowledge, government shall never acknowledge religion, and that there should be a wall between the, of separation between church and state. Again, that comes from a letter from Thomas Jefferson, nothing legally binding. But the left isn't going to be bound by reality when uh, dealing with what they want. They're just a bunch of frauds. But hilariously, while these people are out there, <laughs> while these people are out there in the Bahamas, they're in the Bahamas because why not? Doing their show because I'm sure that the Bahamas paid money to bring them there, the tourism board and everything. I guarantee you that if they'd, uh, the tourism board of Mississippi had said, hey, ladies of the view, the seven people who watch your show desperately want you to come to Mississippi, we will uh, pay you guys to come here, they would have said no. Much like every leftist, the NCAA, uh, every left-wing group, if you have any abortion laws whatsoever... We will not. Any restrictions? Oh, up to 20 weeks? Uh, no, that's not. We want up to 40 weeks. We want abortion up till birth. And any restrictions at all, any choices, any limitations, we're not going to send any of our officials to your state. California government officials, California has a ban on government officials traveling to more than half the country to their states on official business. So if there's a conference in a state that California leftists disapprove of, they can't go. That's how stupid these people are and how insane these people are. It doesn't matter. Oh, you, you don't want men in the girls' bathroom? Well, then you're not going to get the San Francisco City Council to come out to your uh, big conference. That's fine. That's fine. <laughs> Works for me. But uh, they would not go to a state that has any restrictions on abortions but they went to the bahamas now why does going to the bahamas why do i keep going back to going to the bahamas well from the harvard website harvard.edu they have a, a big lot of um, laws from around the world particularly for things that left-wingers really care about and this one is about abortion. And this one is from the Bahamas. The ladies of The View, Joy Behar, sitting there going, where, where are we coming a theocracy now? Is sitting on land in a country whose abortion laws read, quote, this is a Bahamas Penal Code 315, quote, whoever intentionally and unlawfully causes abortion or miscarriage shall be liable to imprisonment for 10 years. Huh? What? Huh. Section 330. One. The offense of causing abortion or miscarriage of a woman can be committed either by that woman or any other person, and that woman or any other person can be guilty of using means with intent to commit that offense, although the woman is in not, not in fact pregnant. 
The offense of causing an abortion can be committed by causing a woman to be prematurely delivered of a child with intent unlawfully to cause or hasten the death of that child. Abortion is illegal in the Bahamas. Illegal. In the, there's no, you only got 16 weeks. There's no heartbeat law. There is no abortion in the Bahamas. The ladies of The View jetted off there to do their special shows about, oh my goodness, we care so much about choice. It's so important. And they're sitting on the beach in the Bahamas in their makeshift set with a crowd of people, none of whom can have an abortion in the country they're in. Do you think these geniuses are aware of it? I doubt it. I mean, I bet they are now. Do you think they'll say, we've got to get out of here? We've got to pack up? The-? No. They're in the Bahamas. Who's going to pack up? We're going to go back to New York? Forget it. Stay in the Bahamas and live large on somebody else's dime. And then we'll... Actually, they won't even deal with the cries of hypocrisy because the people who watch The View aren't going to call them hypocrites. The people who watch The View aren't going to point out that they're hypocrites. The people who watch The View aren't even going to know that abortion is illegal in the Bahamas. They're going to watch. Do you think The View is going to tell them? The View isn't going to tell them. They're getting a free trip to the Bahamas. Talk about payola. All right, so we've got, uh, we went through Michael Beschloss, we got Joy Behar and the ladies, uh, ladies, at the the view, supporting a terroristic regime that does not allow abortion by going down and doing their show in the Bahamas. I don't know if they're doing their show in the Bahamas today or not. I don't know if they'll be there all week. I just know that sadly, at some point, they'll return to the United States. (laughs) Uh, but the vice vice president, well, no, let's do Anna Navarro, honestly. Kamala Harris, listening to Kamala Harris is pretty painful. We're going to listen to a, quite a few Kamala Harris clips, but I don't want you to, uh, I don't want you to jump out a window or anything right away. It would give you a fair warning that we're going to be talking about the uh, vice president soon. But Anna Navarro... Yesterday we played for you the co-host of The View talking about how, look, on CNN, boy, howdy, if we, uh, if you're not allowing abortion, then families are going to suffer because some families have special needs kids. I'm not exaggerating this. It is astonishing what she said. And talking about her own brother. Her own brother is developmentally disabled and therefore problematic and was a hardship on the family. And you're like, what? Did you just use... And she wasn't done. It. Uh, she went on to talk about two of her step-grandkids. Now, I want to... I'm going to replay this because it is... It's one of the most disgusting audio. You sit there, and I'm, I'm trying to think of the words to, to put it in, that this is um, a human being talking about their, their grandchildren. Step, otherwise it doesn't matter. I don't think Anna Navarro would feel any differently about them if they were her blood, but it's got to be really even more awkward for the rest of the family going, you, what do you, 
you're like new to the family. You got married in just a couple years ago, and now suddenly you're you're sitting here going, "Boy, howdy, everybody! Uh, everybody had had it rough, and we'd be much better off if they'd been able to have been aborted." I, I I'll replay it because I I can't do it justice. I can't do it justice. Uh, the, the mother okay, before, absolutely. during, and after yep. the child. And I am not anybody to tell you what you need to do with your life or with your uterus. And because I have a family with a lot of special needs kids. I have a brother who's 57 and has the mental and motor skills of a one-year-old. And I know what that means financially, emotionally, physically for a family. And I know not all families can do it. And I have a step-granddaughter who was born with Down syndrome. And you know what? It is very difficult in Florida to get services. It is not as easy as it sounds on paper. And I've got another, another step-grandson who is uh, very autistic, who has autism, and it is incredible. And, I've, and their mothers and, their, and people who are in that society, who are in that community, will tell you that they've considered suicide because that's how difficult it is to get help. Because that's how lonely they feel. Because they can't get other jobs. Because they have financial issues. Because the care that they're able to give their other children suffers. And so why can I be Catholic and still think this is a wrong decision? Because I'm American. I'm Catholic inside the church. I'm Catholic when it comes to me. But there's a lot of Americans who are not Catholic and are not Christian and are not Baptist. And you have no damn right to tell them what they should do with their bodies. Nobody does. Uh, Up until she joined CNN and Donald Trump broke what little brain she had left. She was a pro-life Christian conservative, but now she's a a CNN Republican. And that's what it is. They're mothers. And and other people in those situations have told me about how they want to kill themselves. Because, wow, really? Really? The... uh, Presumably your stepchildren or step-in-laws or whatever, I don't know which is which, are telling you theoretically in confidence, if it's true, if they told you this at all, that they were contemplating suicide because raising their special needs child was just such a burden. And you just decided to tell the whole world about it. What a god-awful, terrible person. Honestly, one of the worst creatures you could ever possibly come across in your life. And she's sitting there just gleefully saying this because she knows what her job is. She's a very good dog. She wants that milk bone. She will do what she has to do. How you could sit across from this creature at a 4th of July barbecue or a Thanksgiving meal or whatever, I don't know. By the way, She's sitting there whining. My family members are having difficulty. They have difficulty getting uh, state services, getting welfare, essentially. Anna Navarro is an overpaid television personality who is married to a very wealthy lobbyist. You're You're not putting up anything? You're not going, hey, you know what? I know you got it rough, little girl, but uh, hey, this is my money. I want uh, your father to make sure that he does. He has the biggest pile of cash for me ever when I inherit it all because he's 74 and I'm only 50. 
I'm going to outlive him by a lot, and I don't want him spending any money making sure that your life is any better. You go get on welfare, all right? Don't tell me about how you need a thousand dollars a month for uh, some special tutor to come. Go away. Go get on welfare. That must be what goes on in Anna Navarro's life, right? You could you could help these people out if they need some help. Maybe just maybe you could you could babysit every once in a while, and they're like, oh, they can't even go out and have fun. They they haven't even been able to see Top Gun. Well, maybe you could. I don't know, offer to sit with the kids so they could go out and have some fun. Now, upon hearing that, and presumably, I mean, she said it. Anna Navarro then went into damage control mode because that's every bit as awful as it sounds. It's actually way worse. Every time you hear it again, it is way, way worse. So Anna Navarro is out there trying to do damage control. She's being defiant. She's taking to her Twitter account and saying, I will not have my words twisted. I'll do this. I'll do that. I'll do the other thing. I will do blah, 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 blah. (laughs) She said, quote, I don't care how much some twist or lie about what I say. It's not going to stop me from calling out the hypocrisy of those banning women from choosing what's best for them but not doing a damn thing to help many more children and families who will need assistance as a result. Essentially what she's saying there, saying there is, I will not, people who don't abort, people should be able to abort. Look, if you find, it, you find out your kid might be special needs or have some sort of medical, you should be able to kill it, all right? Kill it. But if you don't kill it, then the state's got to step up and do it and take care of it. That's it. So it's either an expanded welfare state or abortion. As every good conservative Republican knows, right? She's a solid Republican conservative, or so she used to say. <laughs> now she's just a very squishy, squishy physically. Um, she's getting bigger. She's getting bigger. So yesterday on The View, in the Bahamas again, talking about abortion in a country where abortion is illegal... The the stupidity of these people never ceases to amaze. Anna Navarro keeps digging. Now, she doesn't address it directly. She throws it in as an aside, trying to um, make it seem as though she's not defensive. And it makes her seem all the more defensive. Um, Listen to this crap. Arkansas and so many of the states that have trigger laws ready and that are banning the, a, a person, a family's choice, a woman's choice, also yeah. have the worst social services yeah. Yeah. Yes. in America. Always. Yes. And so if you are, and, and look, this is a difficult conversation, yeah. and I know some people feel that we shouldn't be talking about social services, we shouldn't be talking about um, special needs families, I, that we shouldn't be talking about adoption and foster care and those special services that are needed in this same conversation, I disagree. Mm-hmm. Because I think it is hypocritical and wrong mm-hmm. to ban a family from making their own choice of what's best for them. Doesn't mean that you don't love your special needs 
um, family members, that you don't adore them and they are part of the family, but that we know firsthand experience just how difficult it is to beg and plead for years sometimes to be able to get some help. So if they're going to ban a, a family's choice, there's going to be more poor kids. Yeah. There's oh, going to be more kids in adoption. There's going to be more kids in foster care. There's going to be more abused kids. Right. There's going to be a, a lot of other things, and those hypocritical states need to step up and provide the services. Well, and this- <laughs> oh, yeah, no, we know how tough it is. We know how tough it is. It's just so tough. It's just so tough. And that's why it doesn't mean we don't love our special needs family members, even though we all kind of acknowledge that we'd be better off if they'd never been born. God, what a what a fraud. And so you sit there and you go, you're going to need special services. We know what it's like to need specialists. So I said, well, what did, how did she grow up? She must have grown up pretty, pretty dirt poor in Nicaragua, right? No. Navarro was born in 1971 to a wealthy landowning family in Nicaragua. She is the daughter of Violeta Flores Lopez and Jose Augusto Navarro Flores. She and her family moved to the United States in 1980 because of political turmoil. <sighs> she went to private Catholic school. She preparatory school. She had her life pretty much mapped out and pretty damned easy. But no, she's sitting there going, I know how hard it is to get this because of my damned brother. My damned brother who is an anchor around all... No. Now, maybe to Anne Navarro, her her definition of hardship is probably different than everybody else's. Her definition might involve that her inheritance was not all it should have been because so many of the resources from her incredibly wealthy family had to be spent on her brother's care, provided that she's not lying about this. Who knows? But you've really got to love this hardship story that she's trying to spew, when in reality, it's nothing close to what she says. It's not anywhere close to what she says. I do love, do love this. This is her career. Navarro served as a member uh, as a uh, in a number of Republican administrations, including the transition for uh, Florida Governor George or Jeb Bush in 1998, as well as Director of Immigration Policy. She also served as ambassador to the United Nations Commissions on Human Rights, where she condemned human rights violations in Cuba. Wow, so brave! She later served as national co-chair of the Hispanic Advisory Council for John McCain and John Huntsman. Wow, solid conservative credentials right there. (laughs) That's her career, by the way. That is her career. It's not like she worked... She was born rich. She's lived a rich life. And her jobs have been jobs that kids of rich people get. Oh, you know what? My son is running. My friend is running for governor. Why don't you uh, work with him? All right, we'll give you a fancy time. You don't really do anything. It's just a bunch of money involved, and you just sit back and and eat. Oh, all right, that sounds great. That sounds wonderful. 
There's nothing about Anna Navarro that isn't a fraud. And the fact that she's sitting there extolling the virtues of abortion in a country that outlaws it is just the tip of the damn iceberg or the uh, top scoop, the cherry on top of a huge pile of ice cream, whatever Anna prefers. Honestly, though, I don't know how anybody could be in the uh, be related to Anna Navarro and go, you know what? Um, Maybe we don't invite grandma this year. Maybe we don't invite grandma. Because I imagine her husband's 24 years older than her. The kids might be her same age. Some of them, the older ones. Maybe. I don't know. But I would... uh, That's going to be a real awkward conversation. That's going to be the point where I I make it clear to grandma that grandma ain't welcome. In my house anymore. Not in someone you don't have a fight in front of dad and make it really awkward, but you pull grandma aside and say, look, uh, uh, we just discussed it. It'd be better off if you didn't uh, You didn't come around. What is she going to say? No, I, I really want to see that kid that I wish had never been born. No way. I want to. Suddenly I want to not be evil. Suddenly I want to not be a jerk. I've got a film crew. I've got a camera crew. I've got a, a photo shoot set up with People Magazine to show that I'm not a horrible step-grandmother. They're going to be coming in here in about 20 minutes. I'm going to need your little kid over there, so uh, wipe him down or whatever and set him on my lap so I can pretend to care. And then when they done, when the Annie Leibovitz is done lighting it, you can get the kid out of here, and then I'll leave. But I, Mama needs to keep her, uh, her CNN gig and her ABC gig Can you imagine the depravity of the people uh, the suits at the network they say well you uh, you tweeted something a decade ago that was not in keeping with uh, your everybody here's desire that men should be able to use women's bathrooms should they uh, choose to be women or say that they're women or you mispronoun you said bruce jenner eight years ago when it was caitlin jenner you're fired you're a monster. I can't. And now you got Anna Navarro sitting there going, you know, special needs kids need to be aborted because they really cramp the vacation habits of family members, and uh, they're a financial drain, an emotional drain. Like you really want to talk about suffering? Oh man, I know a lot of parents who just like to blow their damn brains out. And you're sitting there and you're going, no, this is this is fine. This is absolutely fine. This is perfectly fine. No, you'll be fired for something you wrote in a junior high yearbook thanks to these left-wing mobs. But Anna Navarro, she's perfectly fine. What scum? What absolute scum? Now we have to turn our attention to our vice president. Wow. It's funny. I always laugh every time Kamala Harris is in the news because of the stories about Jill Biden. I'm sorry. The Reverend Dr. Jill Biden who uh, is not happy with the choice of Kamala Harris. It lets you know how little these people have say over their own lives, Jill and Joe. They're just really sock puppets for whoever is pulling the strings. Joe is always like, well, they're going to be mad if I answer questions. Oh, they're going to be, and they're always walking back things that he says. And he says, oh, I hate that they're walking back what I say. And like, you're the president. You could, you could fire them. You could fire them. You're the president. I hate to break it to you. Uh, I realize this is news to you and not something you particularly pay attention to, but you are the president. 
And there are always these stories about how Joe is not happy with what his staff is doing. But have you heard of anybody being fired? No. Have you heard of anybody being held responsible for the failures of the Biden administration? No, no, no. Actually, along these lines, I'll go off on a little tangent here. The uh, New York Times has a story today. Headline, Biden irked by Democrats who won't take yes for an answer on 2024. What? The White House is trying to tamp down speculation about plans to seek re-election while aides say President Biden is bristling at the persistent questions. <laughs> it's so oblivious. Why would anybody think that I wouldn't be running as I fall up these stairs constantly? Earlier this month, when Senator Bernie Sanders said he would not challenge President Joe Biden in 2024, Mr. Biden was so relieved that he invited his former rival to dinner at the White House the next night. Mr. Biden had been eager to, for signs of loyalty, and they have been few and far between. Now, you got to love it. Signs of loyalty. Bernie Sanders is as radical left as they go. And Bernie's saying, why, do I, why should I run? This guy's, this guy's willing to take all the crap thrown at him, all the slings and arrows, all the hate. He's got an average in the real clear politics average of polls today, an average approval rating of 39%. That average... Most of them are much lower, but there are still some outliers like CNN and NBC who are like, oh, no, 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 we, we, we pulled the Biden family members and he is at a 43% approval rating. <laughs> They're trying to cook the books, but even they can't polish the turd. They're waiting it. Well, 90% Democrats in this poll and we got him up to 44% approval rating. And Bernie's looking at that and going, I'm loved. I'm selling books left. I'm selling books left and right. I'm loved. This is great. I'm a multimillionaire. I'm buying another house and another house and another house. You'd think I was uh, the father of Black Lives Matter. I got so many mansions. This is great. I'm not going to give that up. Let Joe handle all the crap. Mr. Biden has been eager for signs of loyalty, and they have been few and far between, facing intensifying skepticism about his capacity to run for re-election when he will be nearly 82. The president and his top aides have been stung by the questions about his plans, irritated at what they see as a lack of respect for him from others in the party and the press. Oh, yeah. The press has just been so harsh on poor, sweet, nourishing Joe Biden. Give give me a break. And determined to tamp down suggestions that he's effectively a lame duck a year and a half into his administration. No, he was a lame duck right out out of the gate. Mr. Biden isn't just intending to run, his aides argue, but he's also laying the groundwork by building resources at the Democratic National Committee, restocking his operations in battleground states, and looking to use his influence to shape the nomination process in his favor. Now, if he were really on the ball and um, wildly popular, even amongst Democrats, he wouldn't have to do that last bit. He wouldn't have to stack the deck. He wouldn't have to rig the system. Nobody would challenge you. There'd be no... No challenge whatsoever. But uh, they're running. They're running against him. So this account of Mr. Biden's preparation for re-election and his building frustration with his party's doubt is based on interviews with numerous people who talk regularly to the president. Most spoke on condition of anonymity to discuss private conversations. God, what horrible people. 
if they're telling the truth, what horrible people. But several said the president and his inner circle were confounded by Democrats' discussion about a plan B when one person who had when the one person who had defeated Donald J. Trump has made clear he intends to run again. Joe Biden has had two aneurysms, two open headed, I don't know what you call them, two brain surgeries in his life. He has had, he's not the healthiest person in the world. You see him riding a bike and then he stops and he falls over because he forgets what gravity is, apparently. By the way, his left foot was down. He didn't need to put his right foot down. They say, well, his his foot got caught in the, the clip there. There's a stirrup, not a clip. And there's a very simple solution. On the side that you don't have a leg down to balance you on, don't lean that direction. Problem solved. Honest, swear to God, it works. But not not for Joe Biden. Good God. So yeah, they're sitting around and they're wondering what's going to happen, what's going to happen. Kamala Harris is asked, are you going to run if he doesn't run? Would you consider running if he doesn't run? Kamala gives the pat answer. We're, we're focused on now. We're focused on... He's running. We're... I love watching these. And what's funny is if this were a Republican administration, this would be the constant drumbeat. This would be there would be wild speculation about everything. And they would be talking about his mental capacity being diminished significantly. Stevie Wonder could see Helen Keller could see that Joe Biden is not all there. But because he's a Democrat, the Democrats desperately more than they care about Joe Biden, because Joe Biden is just a delivery device right now. They desperately want to maintain power. And so they have to have the possibility of, like, prepare the public for, hey, uh, there might come a time when we have to replace Joe Biden on the ticket. And who's going to do it? Like a last minute scramble for Democrats. Let's say in 2024, early 2024, as the primary process, because even if there's no challenge at all to Joe Biden. There's a primary process. The states still have to go through the motions. If Joe Biden dies, Joe Biden has a stroke, Joe Biden finally, the medicine or whatever they're propping him full of when they show him to the cameras for about 10 minutes a day stops working and they have to go in another direction. If there's nobody waiting in the wings, they're in a lot of trouble, these Democrats. They'll have, what what do you do if, suddenly your guy is no longer your guy and no longer possible. They just can't do it. You go, Pete Buttigieg? I mean, Kamala Harris is wildly unpopular. Nobody wants her. They had a chance to get her. Nobody wants her. Nobody likes her now. She's the only person who makes Joe Biden look like the American public likes him. Pete Buttigieg, give me a break. Supply chain paternity leave, dude, give me a break. Please run Pete Buttigieg. Please run Pete Buttigieg. There's nothing out there. Bernie Sanders, I suppose, could be drafted to step up, but he'll be, what, 117 at that point? Dude still wears a powdered wig. So they're screwed. So they got to do everything they can to weekend at Bernie's this guy into... A thing. Now, what I find funny is that that story in the New York Times is Biden is irked by this. Biden is irked by this. Joe Biden is the president of the United States, but you would think he was absolutely powerless by how he's portrayed in the media. Because there are a lot of stories about he's aw shucksing this 
and oh man, we can't. Uh, what are we going to do? <laughs> he doesn't. The president doesn't like this. The president doesn't like that. Okay, well, President, go ahead and do something about it. But he can't do it. He won't do it. He's incapable of doing it, which leads to the question, Is he really? does he really have any power? Is he really the President of the United States? I'm not really sure. I don't think so. Because they, they, like, while this story is in the New York Times today, the Hill newspaper has their own story. Democrat senators say Biden not too old for second term. <laughs> this is their best defense of the president of the United States. He's not too old. Hey, look, he's not too, that decrepit. My God. <laughs> All right. Well, there you go. That's like Anna Navarro's family going, look, uh, she's not that awful. She's not that horrible of a step-grandmother. Oh, like compared to what? If... Uh, if Charles Manson were the alternative, like, is, is that it? Like, sure, you can always find somebody worse, but not by an awful lot. Not by an awful lot. Anyway, I just find it amusing that these, these stories are all coming out at the same time. Democrats want a plan B. They don't want to throw Joe under the bus because, well, they haven't lost the midterms yet. And they need to uh, sort of be loyal. It's kind of funny they have instilled this belief that Joe Biden is such a wonderful president in their base, that he is such a wonderful person in their base, that they can't turn again. They can't point, and that he's doing the wonderful, he's doing the great, great things, and what he's doing is so important and, and awesome. That they can't run away from him, not yet. They're going to run on his existence. They want what he has the, to the extent that he's popular. He's popular only with Democrats, and they need those Democrats to show up. So they can't come out and say, uh, he's, he's just not all there. Actually, while we're talking about this, just to sh- illustrate how awful a human being Joe Biden is and how awful a human being he raised in Hunter Biden... That laptop, my, and I think it's like three laptops that Hunter Biden had left all over the place. He's the Johnny Appleseed of laptops. He just leaves them around. He he uh, he treats laptops like he treats his sex life. He just impregnates computer repair stores with his laptops all across the country, and then denies parentage. I don't even. I don't know. I, I don't know that that repair man. Really? Because the DNA swab of the keyboard says that it's your laptop. You are the laptop owner. Too bad Maury's off the air. They released video yesterday of Hunter Biden talking to a hooker. (laughs) I swear to God. He's the gift that keeps on giving. Talking to an escort, I guess I should say. Now, it's pretty obvious that this woman has been human trafficked. This woman is, uh, she must have said something to her handlers that, uh, you know, you go, hey, um, he's not paying. Because Hunter Biden had kept this woman and done God knows what to her for hours and hours and hours and hours. And he ended up paying her $10,000. $10,000. 
Do you imagine? $10,000. And uh, he runs around and he goes, hey, you know, uh, you weren't hurt. I didn't hit you. You're fine. You're this. You're that. It is. This video is amazing. Listen to the audio from it. He's running around. He's filming this because she clearly said something like he he hit me. That's the only reason he's filming. There's no other reason to be filming your your prostitute getting dressed. That's what's going on in this video. Sweetheart. Hey. Hey. Are you okay? Everything fine? Are you hurt in any way? Any any way? Are you hurt? Hey. Is anything hurt on you? Anything? I was literally saying I'm sorry that it took so long to give you ten thousand dollars. Do you have any bruise? Anything? Is any? Have I ever touched you in a bad way? Ever? Have I asked you every time if I could touch you? Every time. Sweetheart, look at me. You cannot talk to me that way and say things like that. Because I'm more respectful than anyone you've ever met. Are you okay? What? Here. No. I thought you said you wanted water. It's the only water I have. I thought you said you wanted water. Now, there's really no reason to be filming your argument with your prostitute over payment and the delayed payment. She's on the phone speaking Russian. It's clear that she's Russian. It's pretty obvious that she has been uh, tr human trafficked to this country for the purposes of being used as a sex toy by the rich and famous. And there she is with Hunter Biden getting 10. Well, she's not getting $10,000. Whoever owns her is getting $10,000. And that's the sickest part of it is she must have said, come get me. He's crazy. He's, he's scaring me. He's hurting me. Hey, did I hurt you? Did I do this? He's filming just in case somebody decides to press charges. Then he's, he's filming himself paying a prostitute. He's filming himself arguing with a prostitute. Oh, I'm sorry it took me so long to give you $10,000 because we had like 36 hours of drug-addled uh, partying or whatever the hell it is. And he thinks this... Uh, will Hunter be asked about this? Will Joe be asked about this? No, because of that $10,000, by the way... At that same time, Joe had wired Hunter $5,000. So essentially, the president of the United States paid a prostitute by proxy on behalf of his crack-addicted son. He also wired him, Joe also wired him $20,000, according to the Washington Examiner, to check into a rehab facility in New York that he never checked into. So you can assume that that money went to uh, coke and, and prostitutes as well. Does a good parent, does a good father raise a kid like this? Maybe. 
except when you realize that the daughter is an addict as well and that uh, the daughter has a secret diary where she writes about taking showers with her father at an inappropriate age. And then every, and it just opens up a whole can of worms. The Biden family is really screwed up. And Joe is the head of it. Joe is the cause of it. Now we shift our attention to our idiot vice president. Boy, howdy. I thought, but she's, She's not the dumbest vice president, most worthless vice president we've ever had, Kamala Harris. So she doesn't have that. She's historic in many ways. Just ask her. That's all you hear about is how historic she is. Oh, she's so historic, so historic, so historic. But she can't be historically the dumbest, worst vice president this country's ever had because Joe Biden holds that title. And it is, uh, at least for, I can't imagine anybody being worse than Joe, but you never know. I thought that Jimmy Carter would sit on top of the pile of really horrible presidents of the United States for all eternity, but no, Joe did it. Joe, Joe, really, Joe is the historic one. Anyway, Kamala Harris gave a sit-down interview, as they say. I love it. That's a sit-down interview. Oh, is that different than a, a stand-up interview? Are there stand-up interviews? Are there, like, hanging in zero-gravity chair uh, interviews that we know about? Those, the back things that you sit upside down? Do people go to space for zero-gravity uh, interviews? Or a sit-down interview with CNN. Yeah. You can tell the confidence an administration has in its positions not only in its positions on policies but in its positions in the minds of the american public by who and what outlet they allow to interview the president or the vice president joe biden did an interview with the associated press i think it was it was either that or it might have been reuters it was a wildly friendly interview and there was absolutely no audio or video involved in it at all, just a transcript. Now, that transcript was cleaned up to the point that you would have thought a coherent 40-something had given the interview. But it was not to be the case. It was the president, which means that probably on condition of getting the interview, they had to agree to clean up, not edit substantively. I'd imagine that even Reuters would not have the... Uh, would have enough integrity to not agree to that. But to clean up from the ums and the uhs and the starts and the screw-ups and the errors, to clean that up so it's just a clean copy. White House does it all the time with their transcripts. They clean up Joe's messes all the time. They wanted the same, and they agreed, and so Joe got gave them that interview. As long as no audio disproving that the transcript was accurate went out. Well, uh, Kamala Harris can string together a sentence without ums and ahs. They're dumb sentences generally. They don't address the issue at hand more often than not. And some of them are embarrassingly uh, off topic, off the plantation, just crazy things. And so uh, they gave her to CNN with Dana Bash because Dana Bash is on the team. CNN is the minor league system. You know, there's no question about it. So there's no threat of any serious questions being asked. Yet still, 
Kamala Harris, Barack Obama famously said, never underestimate Joe Biden's ability to F things up. Kamala Harris, never underestimate her ability to look like a clown, to come off as a fool. And this first clip here, I guess we'll go pretty much in order. Harris talks about what the repeal of Roe v. Wade means to men. Now, keep in mind, it wasn't until about 20 minutes ago that men were allowed to have opinions on the subject. And only men who are pro-abortion, who paid for abortions, who would encourage, they're allowed to have opinions. But any man who is not pro-abortion is not allowed to have an opinion. But now Kamala says, think about it this way. If and you don't have abortion on demand, your son's life is going to get screwed up too. You can tell only a childless person could argue this way. And Kamala Harris is childless. She, I, I don't know how many abortions are in her wake. I know that she's... Uh, was Willie Brown's girlfriend. She was Montel Williams' girl. She's she's had a lot of relationships. She's not had any kids. And now she's passed the change. She won't be having any children, but she has stepkids. Remember her uh, hairy, armpitted, um, unattractive stepdaughter? Now, she didn't marry Kamala. Kamala didn't marry into the family until the kid was an adult. But that kid has been showered with, oh, it's a modeling contract. Here's a modeling. Co- Why? Well, because you're Kamala Harris's stepdaughter. Imagine how, how pathetic. How low is your self-esteem that your your worth is based on uh, who your stepmother is? It still, it's better than being better than being uh, Anna Navarro's step-grandchild. So they got that going for him. Anyway, now she's saying that men's lives, look, men want women to have abortions all the time, too, and this is going to screw up their lives. And when we think about it, everyone has something at risk on this. First of all, if you are a parent of sons, do think about what this means for the life of your son and what that will mean in terms of the choices he will have. Men have no say in abortion. Shut your mouth. Shut your... Now think about the choices that men have. And now this, well, which is it? Which is it? They don't say. She does. Nobody. Of course, Dana Bash doesn't come back and say, "Hey, wait a second. So, do men have a say in this? Because men don't have it." I love how the argument used to be: men had their say when they decided to have sex. Women didn't have their say when they decided to have sex. Men had their say when they decided to have sex. Women didn't have their say until nine months, and then they decided to have a partial birth abortion. But men had their say when they decided to have sex. The woman can then decide whether or not to obligate that man for the next 18 years of his life financially. And that's perfectly okay. But if the man wants that kid, the man's cool that said, no, please let me, I will raise that child. You don't have to do anything with it. You No, no, no. I've decided to vacuum it out and chop it up and sell the parts. So is it is it an equal partnership? No. Well, it is when they need it to be. It's not when they don't. You're allowed to say something when it suits their purposes. Otherwise, shut your mouth and learn your place, etc., etc., etc. It is really, honestly, how the left does not... Um, have broken backs from hauling the goalposts around the way that they do will forever remain a mystery. So then Dana Bash, being Dana Bash, being CNN, she essentially starts to 
beg Kamala Harris. Now they do this. Uh, this is a pro tip for spotting media bias and how these people work. When they say, well, critics are saying that. They always say critics are saying this. They just say that when it's a Republican. Critics say that you people are Nazis. Well, you can find a critic, especially nameless, faceless critics, say just about anything you want, especially with the age of social media. You can, critics say, who said that? Who was it? Uh, that was uh, user XJX473129 empty set. Oh, really? So a Russian bot or a Chinese communist bot said something bad about me and you want me to respond to it. And you won't say that this anonymous Twitter account with three followers says this. You just say critics say. I mean, they write news stories based on what these anonymous accounts say so, because it's it gives them an opportunity to put their opinions. This is what they would say, but they're not allowed to say it. The last uh, thin veneer of of journalistic integrity prevents them from saying it. So they find, well, go find three anonymous Twitter accounts that say the same thing. And then you can write your story. Same goes for the interview. Critics say, or some say, uh, others are saying. In this case, Dana Bash is using uh, Democrats, some Democrats are saying, to really sort of reiterate what she wants to be. And that is... They want, the left wants to kill the filibuster. Everything comes back. You notice, no matter what the problem is, the solution is exactly what Democrats have been advocating for for any period of time. In order to codify Roe, we've got to end the filibuster. In order to put in voting reform, voting rights, really, just federalizing election, we need to get rid of the filibuster. In order to pass Build Back Better, we have to get rid of the filibuster. In order to really save the Supreme Court, we must pack the Supreme Court. But in order to do that, we must get rid of the filibuster. Everything comes back to what they ultimately want. It's weird. It's uncanny, some might say. So Bash is trying to badger Kamala Harris into coming out in favor of ending the filibuster. Kamala Harris, not mentioning, by the way, that Kamala Harris engaged in many filibusters when she was in the United States Senate, and it was controlled by Republicans, and Donald Trump was president of the United States. They don't mention that. They don't mention that because, why? Because they're, they're horrible people. They're frauds. But this is what Democrats want, so Dana Bash is trying to badger her into it. So let me ask you about that. You're saying now, the president said that this fall, Roe is on the ballot. But what do you say to Democratic voters who argue, wait a minute, we worked really hard to elect a Democratic president yeah. and vice president, yeah. Democratic-led House, yeah. a Democratic-led Senate. Do it now. But do what now? Uh, what now? I mean, we, we need, we, listen, what we did we extended the child tax credit for the well, first I'm year. I'm sorry, when I say do right? what, yeah. do it now. Yeah. Act uh, legislatively to make abortion rights legal. We feel the same way. It, do it now. Congress needs to do it now in terms of permanently putting in place a, a, a clear indication that it is the law of the land that women have the ability and the right to make decisions about their reproductive care, and the government does not have the right to make those decisions for a woman. So one of the ways you can do it 
obviously. One of the, the only way that is uh, legislatively, procedurally possible mm -hmm. is by doing away with the filibuster on this issue. Uh, President Biden told my colleague Anderson Cooper he would be okay with eliminating the filibuster to pass voting rights and, quote, maybe more. Would you support eliminating the filibuster in order to pass federal legislation for abortion rights? Right now, given the current composition of the Senate, the votes aren't there. But and would you so use that's the bully pulpit to but, say, yes, I support it? Well, here's the thing. I, I understand what the, why you're asking the question, mm -hmm. but the reality of it is we don't even get to really answer that in terms of whether it happens or not if we don't have the numbers in the Senate. She's desperately trying, please, will you just say we'll get rid of the filibuster? Please do it. Thing is, Democrats can't get rid of the filibuster, but they want to keep up the pressure. They want to. That Joe Manchin and Kirsten Sinema won't go for it. They're not going to go for it on any of these things. It is the concept. They want to keep the pressure on them, though. It's weird, but believe it or not, there are two United States senators, liberal United States senators, who have principles when it comes to the uh, procedures of the United States Senate. Swear to God, I never thought I'd see the day that two Democrats would have principles simultaneously, but they do. They also live in a world where they recognize that it's not going to be too long before Democrats are in the minority again. And if you strip the filibuster for legislation, you have screwed your own ability to prevent anything from getting done. Keep that in mind. That is not anything small. Everything that has happened in the past week with the Supreme Court can be traced back to one event. It's not the election of Donald Trump. It predates that. It is when in 2014, I think it was 2000, it might have been 2013, Harry Reid got rid of the filibuster for judicial nominees, for all presidential nominees except the Supreme Court. Republicans warned and warned and warned about that, said, you're not going to like it. When we're in, someday we'll be in charge and we'll see what happens. You will suddenly have a newfound respect for the filibuster. But until then, you don't want to do this. You're going to, it's the nuclear option. It's called the nuclear option for a reason. Don't do this. And Harry Reid said, nope, we're going to do this. And he went down on the floor, he gave a big speech where he thanked all the activists, uh, telling him he needs to do this. And what did they do? They proceeded to pack the lower courts with left-wing justices, with left-wing judges that would not have gotten through the United States Senate otherwise. And then Donald Trump came along. And then vacancy after vacancy after vacancy. Three Supreme Court vacancies Donald Trump was able to fill. And Democrats had taken the one weapon they had, the only weapon they'd had as the minority party in the United States Senate and smashed it to bits. They'd thrown it into a wood chipper. They had nothing. They went out and they groused and, oh, they tried. They, they had their subterfuge. They had their lies. When you're not bound by reality and you're willing to do absolutely anything, I suppose you're never truly without options. They tried to destroy Kavanaugh in ways that, that decent human beings never would. They failed miserably, but that didn't stop them. They did the same thing to Clarence Thomas back in the day. It's kind of beautiful that 
Clarence Thomas is the leading voice on these issues when Joe Biden was the chairman of the Judiciary Committee who tried to ruin and destroy the life of Clarence Thomas. It's a bit of poetic justice worthy of a chef's kiss there. But all of this, this whole situation, the Trump nominees, Amy Coney Barrett, Neil Gorsuch, and Brett Kavanaugh, they can trace their being on the Supreme Court right back to Democrats changing the rules, getting rid of the filibuster. Now they're trying to do it legislatively. Let's just say they do it. Republicans take back over. Republicans can repeal everything right away, pretty easily. And you end up in a situation where the laws of this country swing wildly depending upon which party is in power, which is expressly what the founding fathers did not want to have happen. It's why they made the legislative process so arduous. It's why they made the constitutional amendment process so arduous. You can do whatever you want in a state. The federal government isn't supposed to be able to work that way, isn't supposed to work that way. Democrats don't care. They are a bunch of Veruca salts. They want their golden goose and they want it now. Damn the torpedoes, full steam ahead. I don't care what kind of destruction I cause. I want my way. They are children and they need to be treated as such. Before we were talking about Kamala Harris, talking about Kamala, now let's talk about somebody else who's worthless. Another, it's amazing how these uh, former Republicans, they're consistent. You've got to give them that. They're very consistent. Michael Steele. Michael Steele, who I used to like as a person. Now I don't now I don't think I ever knew him. I'm half tempted to just like start shooting him text messages and daring him to come on the show, but I um I don't want to. He is uh, what he's turned into is disgusting, which makes you wonder, was he always that? Did you just not notice it? Was he good at slinging the game? So many people in politics you find on both sides of the aisle, you meet and you're like, that's not at all. You're, you're personally nothing like and not really in favor of these things that you, you say, you swear publicly, you care about. I'm a super family man. And then they're out, uh, you know, hanging with Hunter Biden, that sort of stuff. That business insider has the story on Michael Steele. Michael Steele, the former head of the Republican National Committee, which is really his only value. It really is his only value, is that he had a brief tenure as chairman of the Republican National Committee. Chairman. Michael Steele, the former head of the Republican National Committee, slammed the GOP in its current form and suggested that it was prepared to push aside Senate rules and impose a national abortion ban if it retakes the Congress in November in the November midterms. Um, Michael... The left always says this, and Michael is a man of the left. They have no evidence. Republicans had plenty of opportunities and plenty of chances and a lot of pressure, including from the president of the United States, to get rid of the filibuster. And they didn't. They didn't. That's what always cracks me up about these leftists going, well, you know if Republicans had this opportunity to pass whatever, they would do it. Republicans just had the opportunity, all right? The first two years of the Trump administration, they had that opportunity, and they didn't do it. They had that opportunity, that unfettered opportunity. They had it, and they didn't do it. Why? It's the Democrats who have changed the rules every time. And it goes to show you that you're always, it's always the people who are insisting 
that the other side is going to do horrible things to just they do it to just they say those things to justify them doing horrible things. The Nazis did horrible things to their political opponents. In the beginning, why? Because they said their political opponents were going to do horrible things. And these horrible things that the Nazis were doing had to be done to prevent their opponents from doing their horrible things. And it worked. The people, the stupid people said, oh, all right, well, that makes perfect sense. The other side is horrible. They had to be stopped, right? They're horrible. The people in charge told me. That's what the progressives are. That's what progressives like Mikey Steele are doing. Oh, no, they're going to they're they're change the rules. We have to change the rules because they're going to change the rules. Well, before we even get into further in the story, I would just point out Michael Steele might not know this because he's not a very bright man. But if Republicans retake Congress this fall, Joe Biden will still be president of the United States. It really wouldn't matter a whit what they crammed through Congress. If Joe Biden doesn't sign it, unless Republicans manage to get 67 votes in the Senate to override a filibuster and two thirds of the House of Representatives, which is highly doubtful in both cases, it doesn't matter. So even from if you're inclined to believe Mikey here, common sense and rational thought would make you go, wait a second, that doesn't make any sense. Why would Republicans destroy the filibuster and catch all the flack for destroying the filibuster if they can't accomplish anything by doing so? Once you start asking that question, you start to realize just how full of crap Michael Steele is and how dumb the people who watch him on MSNBC have to be to sit there and think that. Oh, my God. If Republicans retake Congress, they're going to change the rules and and outlaw abortion. How? How are they going to override a presidential veto? Uh, Yeah. No, you can't do it. You can't. You can't make that sense. But you don't have to when you're on MSNBC and you're an idiot talking to a bunch of idiots. They all just nod. It's it's idiocracy on cable. The story continues. In a Monday interview with MSNBC, Steele was asked by host Katie Turd if the GOP would seek to enact further restrictions on abortion in the wake of last week's Supreme Court ruling overturning Roe v. Wade. Tur asked, uh, quote, Senator Chris Murphy said that if Republicans are able to retake the House and the Senate, they will pass a federal ban on abortion. Do you believe that would happen? What a hard-hitting jerk. First of all, why are you asking Michael Steele this? He's about as involved and informed and in touch with the Republican Party as Katie Turd is. Of course, Mikey says, yes, without hesitation. They will set the marker because it's in their base's interest to do so. That's the difference politically between the two parties. Republicans will go, oh, yeah, the Constitution and the filibuster and all the tradition, the sanctity of the Senate. They won't give a rat's patootie about it, about that when it's the bottom line in politics and power. I don't know if Mike what color the sky is on Mike's planet. But there is one political party right now that is screaming to high heaven that they need to change the rules of how government works in order to get what they want. It ain't Republicans. Republicans had two years with Donald Trump and control of Congress, and they didn't do anything of the sort, despite the fact that Donald Trump was saying they should, despite the fact that several commentators were saying they should. Democrats 
have tried to do it. Were it not for two United States senators saying no, they would have done it by now and done it a thousand times over. But that doesn't rate in Mikey's world because he's a dishonest human being. He's a coward and a fraud and a loser who got his position and then has been milking it ever since because the Republican Party rejected him for another term because he mismanaged funds. Look it up. Look up what the RNC was spending at strip clubs on Michael Steele's tenure as RNC chairman. Yeah, they took the House and they didn't take the Senate. How much of the wasted, abused, uh, misappropriated money could have helped change that? We'll never know. But you don't reward incompetence with another term. Well, you do if you're MSNBC. You go, oh, Michael Steele will renew your contract. But in general, you don't hire back the guy who had a bunch of staffers blow thousands of dollars at uh, strip clubs just because you think he might be a nice guy. And frankly, the people closest to him more than likely knew what kind of a fraud he was, and the sooner they got rid of him, the better off the world was. That's why he's at MSNBC, because he's worthless to Republicans, because he's a worthless Republican. There is other stories out there. As you look at as, as you know, the frauds like Michael Steele's of the world and all the liberal media sit there and talk about how heartless and mean Republicans are. Oh, my goodness. There's a horrible situation on the southern border. It actually reminds me of season two of The Wire. CNN, 50 migrants believed dead after they were found in a semi-truck in San Antonio, officials say, with others hospitalized. Yes, humans, open borders empowers the coyotes it really does oh we'll get you up there we'll get you in we'll get you past and so you end up in a situation where human smugglers are making a fortune the cartels are making a fortune and uh, people are dying but you're dealing with people who don't really give a damn about human life so you know it doesn't matter at what stage the individual is disposable to the progressive left period end of story so this is Okay, it's no big deal. Eh, it's a little bit of bad PR, but in general, who gives a damn, right? Said so 50 migrants, illegal aliens, are believed to have died after they and others were found in sweltering conditions in a semi-truck in San Antonio, a federal law enforcement official said Tuesday in a scene the mayor called a horrific human tragedy. Now, this should be the story down that we send down to South and Central America saying, don't come here. This is what's going to happen. But no, I'm sure that the Biden administration will use this to say, well, we need to open the borders wider. We need to welcome. They're, they're now talking about um, flying women around the country to get abortions. So actually, let's let's listen to the HHS secretary Javier Becerra, or as Joe Biden calls him, Javier Bacaria, my good friend Javier Bacaria, talking about just that at the Aspen Ideas Festival. He's talking to an MSNBC reporter, and she's pressing him about, well, you, well how are you going to get women abortion? You've got to have more abortions. And uh, you can tell they're good friends. They're all they're all on the same team. This is the kind of, the interview, the tone of this interview and the, the joshing back and forth is really... It's how athletes talk to each other in locker rooms. That's how pathetic journalism is these days. But Becerra 
says that uh, they're looking at maybe uh, transferring some money around so they can fly women around the country to get abortions. It's bad enough yesterday when the companies, the major corporations like Disney and, and Netflix and all that were like, we'll pay for your abortion and we'll fly you to wherever you... Now the federal government is getting in on the, on the game. What are you doing concretely in response to the court's decision to try to help women? Well, we're working with uh, centers like Planned Parenthood, so we are uh, restoring funding for Title X, uh, family planning services. We are working with uh, uh, supporters on the ground to make sure that we are providing services to women where we can. Uh, we are looking into everything, including assisting in transportation, something that HHS doesn't typically do. Can you do that legally? Uh, talk to me later. Uh, we're I mean, that's do... a big question, right? I, I always tell my team at HHS, uh, if you've done your homework, then we have no right to do mild. And so we're going to be aggressive and go all the way. And I, I would tell you if uh, you're recording, so I won't tell you. So, uh, this is all on the record, yeah. Mr. Secretary. We are looking at every option, and among those is transportation. What, say that again? We are looking at every option, and among those is transportation. Transportation. Yes, if you've ever wanted to have a nice vacation out in Los Angeles or just the general uh, California region, all you got to do is get pregnant and uh, say you need an abortion if you're in a state where there's a restriction and your federal government will come in there. If you need baby formula, they'll tell you to get bent. All right. Every couple of weeks, they'll say, hey, we just got a uh, plane load from Australia. Yay, us. And uh, then your baby will go hungry after that because it will have been flown into Lake Missouri and you can't get to it. But uh, this is their priority. I'm not sure under what authority the Secretary of Health and Human Services would be able to shift funds to spend them on flying American citizens around the country for the purposes of getting an abortion. But again, you just heard him sort of talk there and say that he doesn't really give a damn about what the law says. <laughs> Do you have the authority? Well, I tell my staff to be aggressive. In other words... We'll just do it, and then by the time we'll fight any lawsuits or anything, and we'll just keep doing it. I mean, what are they going to do? Supreme Court doesn't have an army. It's amazing, amazing how these people function. And so don't be surprised if soon, because of these 50 dead illegal aliens down in Texas, that the Biden administration starts going, well, you know what? In order to save people from the evil clutches of the cartels, and the human smugglers, we are going to fly them around the country. But more than that, we're going to fly them from their home country. There's no point in making somebody walk 2,000 miles to break our laws when we can fly them 2,000 miles and help them break our laws. And that way, if it saves only one life, we'll be doing okay. The death toll, which the city fire chief gave Monday as 46, includes migrants from Mexico, Guatemala, and Honduras, according to the official, who spoke on condition of anonymity. Their discovery Monday comes as U.S. federal authorities have launched an unprecedented operation to disrupt human smuggling networks amid an influx of migrants at the U.S.-Mexico border. There's a real easy way to stop that, and that's stop letting them into the country. 
If you want to stop it, stop letting them into the country. If you want to disempower human smugglers, stop letting them into the country. Oh, and tell Hunter to stop using smuggled prostitutes, all right? Make him go domestic, right? I get it. There's not the same flair and they kind of have their own opinions about things and how things should be. And I imagine if you're calling into a prostitute and spending $10,000 at a pop with these hookers that you you probably have very specific needs and very specific desires. And you likely want somebody who will do whatever it is you tell them to do. And the docile nature of a prostitute, it certainly i'm sure exists in the united states of america in our domestic prostitutes but i would suspect that the eastern european variety are the smuggled ones the abused ones are much more amenable to whatever sick weird put this uh, hot crack pipe on my nipple sort of thing that hunter biden i don't know what hunter biden is into i'm just guessing but if you really want to end human smuggling you need to uh you can end it. They're all build the wall, stop letting illegals in, and stop transferring thousands of dollars to your degenerate son so he can pay them after he's had their way with them. Just saying. Just throwing that out there, Joe. Of course, you'd actually have to give a damn about other human beings. And I give you my word as a Biden Joe doesn't give a damn about other human beings. Never has, never will. We are out of time for today, ladies and gentlemen. Action-packed as it was, it's time to let it go. But fear not, we shall be back tomorrow. Same bat time, same bat channel. To do it all over again with a new batch of insanity as these people just keep chugging along. Thank you for listening. I'll see you tomorrow. Tomorrow.